2: It can. It's Ken Cromen, CBS Sports Radio eight five five two one two four CBS eight five five two one two four two two seven. John Breach eleven forty a.m. Eastern eight forty a.m. Pacific. We'll break it down with him. The Bears. You can yell at Ryan Pace now. I had a lot of people I was listening to over the last like oh six months. I'm not going to name names here, but there there was a lot. It was just like easy pickings. Like it's like okay, I want to spend a segment outrage. Let's yell at Ryan Pace. It's like, Ryan Pace knows he's getting fired. Look at him. I mean, if you want to go outside and kick puppies, you can go ahead and kick puppies and yell at them and, and, and get your rage out that way. I wouldn't I wouldn't suggest that. I think that's cruel. And I think yelling at Ryan Pace is kind of cruel and, and pointless. Before this, now you can yell at Ryan Pace again. You gave up a plethora of picks. If this doesn't work out, the Bears are going to be like the Houston Texans here in a couple of years. And if it does work out, he saves his job, he saves the franchise, and this is a story that's told for eons and eons and eons. But if it doesn't work out, then you can yell at Ryan Pace again because he's put the Bears – if this doesn't work out, he then put the Bears in a terrible position for their future where they can't even replace the quarterback if the quarterback fails. If he fails and I'm wrong, if he fails and some of the other people are wrong, and then the Bears fans would be in a terrible position because you could fire Ryan Pace and make him go away, but you'd still be paying for his mistakes. Now you can yell at Ryan Pace again. But I thought this was just going to be a lame duck season. They'd go into the year with Andy Dalton. They would probably go somewhere around under 500, even though their defense is still pretty good. They would go somewhere under 500. They would get rid of Ryan Pace. and get rid of Matt Nagy. And then maybe you could draft a quarterback next year, even though the class isn't that good. I give Ryan Pace credit. He threw a Hail Mary. He got a chance to go draft a second quarterback. You usually don't get that chance. We'll see if it works out. And I happen to love Justin Fields. So I hope it works out. I'm rooting for the Bears, and I'm rooting for Ryan Pace. And real quick on this, because I know i got to get to piranha, I know i got to get to the top five subject. People are looking at Justin Fields. We need to look at Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy went 12-4. and four. He got all the credit in the world that first year with Mitch Trubisky. It's time to hold him accountable then. Well, Justin Fields, maybe he's not able to process defenses the proper way. Well, there's such a thing as coaching. Well, Justin Fields, you know, maybe he's not able to process his own offense correctly. Well, there's such a thing as coaching. Well, you know, Justin Fields, his arm is in a little bit of a weird motion, and I think that's kind of nitpicking. But, again, there's such a thing as coaching. You could just go be a puppet for Andy Reid and be known as a puppet for Andy Reid. Fine. But you've been 12-4 and 4 before. You've been a playoff team before, twice, even though this one really didn't count the people. But either way, you've been a playoff team. Go out, and get, go out and get back there. You have a guy who's a Zeus physically. I made every argument in the world for him to go to the San Francisco 49ers, and I, I will make every argument in the world why he makes sense for any team that drafts him and why he could work out with the Chicago Bears. I don't need to hear any of this oh, your stuff about Justin Fields. No, no. You got a guy who is supposed to be a good football coach who is one of the young guns in the NFL. Go coach him. Ryan Pace had a stay of execution. So did Matt Nagy. Go get it done. Hello, Pierno. How you doing, buddy?
3: What is up, Ken?
2: It's wonderful to hear from you. It's wonderful to work with you, even though you said terrible things about my city. And I got very defensive over that. But either way, we're going to all move on as friends still. Uh, Pirno, it's, it's still an honor and a pleasure. Um, what are you thinking about for the top five? Well, uh, in
3: honor of the draft, I can't believe I'm doing a sports topic in back-to-back weeks. It's a little wow. strange for me. What but is this? We'll, we'll do it one more week. I know I'm doing something completely different next week. But in honor of the draft, we're going to do a little bit something different. We're going to do the top five draft picks in your team's history. Okay, so you're a Browns fan, so you're going to take care of the Browns, the top five draft picks in Browns history. I'm a New York Jets fan, so I'm going to give you the top five draft picks in New York Jets history. If you're going to play along with us at home, what's your favorite NFL team? Give us your top five for that particular team.
2: Browns had to draft them? Yes. I, I mean, Otto Graham's pretty great, but he got drafted by the Lions just
3: saying have to be drafted by your favorite football team
2: man jets fan okay i i'm going to write down a guess i'm writing it down right now
3: you should be able to uh <laughs> i mean get a couple of them i would i would think
2: we should do worse draft picks in team history
3: let's i like to be positive let's not let's not tear people down
2: we don't need to tear him down. They tore they tore themselves down. I didn't. I didn't make Johnny Manziel drink and do drugs. Did you? <laughs> I didn't do that. Which there's always an argument in Cleveland, Pierno. There's an argument whether it's him or Justin Gilbert. And I was always in Justin Gilbert's camp of of him being the worst draft pick ever, just because I I was like I wanted to be football guy. And go well, really. Everybody knows about Johnny Manziel, but they really don't <laughs> know about Justin Gilbert and refusing to return punts and. But uh, as t- as time goes by, it's it's Johnny Manziel. Justin Gilbert's not even on Twitter anymore. He's off. I don't I I don't even know if he barely was at all, but I know he's not on anymore. And I don't know. He's fallen off the face of the earth. I hope he can get his life together. I don't know. He seemed like a really nice kid when he first came in, and then <sighs> man, things went south in a hurry. But Johnny Manziel just trolls everybody, and the more it becomes, it, it, I can't I can't get him. I wanted him so badly. To get picked up by another team, just so there'd be stock photos of him in another uniform. And I, it, it's not, it certainly didn't happen then. It's not going to happen now. And I wanted it to happen so badly, and it's just that that cloak of failure. So it's got to be Johnny Manziel because it continues to be an embarrassment. Hey, real quick, was the biggest what's the biggest loss in uh Jets history? What's the biggest what's the biggest draft bust in Jets history? Right off the top of your head, Pirno,
3: the biggest draft bust in
2: Wor- worst draft pick in Jets history. Go ahead, let's hear it.
3: I'm trying to think. Uh, the-, the Jets have a very bad history.
2: They do. That's why I had uh, to ask.
3: I mean, Vernon Golston is a bad one.
2: I felt they ha- they basically had to take Vernon Golston, didn't they? How that draft worked out.
3: I mean, isn't that true? I'm trying to uh, – dude, there's been so many bad uh, selections. I mean, forget about the guys that they actually, like, passed on during the, you know, during the years.
2: Okay, fine. Now for the Browns, do I go all-time – boy, this is just very sad. For the Browns, do I have to go all-time history or do I go 99 to now?
3: Well, whatever makes you more comfortable.
2: Let's do all-time history.
3: Whatever you, whatever you're capable of doing, let's just put it that way.
2: You saying I'm not capable of knowing the history? Well, was it of sure?
3: I, I, I thought you would be able to. That's why I said uh, in 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 team, in team history. So, I, th- I thought you would be able uh, You would be capable I mean, of doing that.
2: I am basically the Ken Burns of the Cleveland Browns. You understand this, don't you?
3: This I'm not aware of.
2: Oh, I know a lot about the Browns, man. I know too much about the Browns. Eight five five two one two four CBS. All right, top five. Best draft picks in our team's history. So ponies or a pony. Pierno's a Jets fan. Why'd well, I got Pony on the mind? Pierno's a Jets fan. I'm a Browns fan. We'll do the top five, okay? Sounds good to me. Boy, sports, two straight weeks with Pierno. This is weird. Did you not want to do any Oscars because nobody knew who the Oscars winners were?
3: Um I had only seen. Um, I haven't seen a lot. Plus, I, I I I haven't even watched the Oscars in the past f- a number of years.
2: I think the Oscars are in a bit of a crisis right now because it's either foreign movies, which are hard to come by, or Captain America, and Captain America's not going to win the Oscars. So those are the o- like, n- and nobody's seen foreign movies. The people have only seen Captain America movies because they're the ones that make money. Like, there's not a whole lot to choose from that general people have seen. Going, oh, I hope this movie wins the Oscars.
3: Well, that's not. I mean, well, but that's not why people are, are, I think, watching the actual Oscars. I why mean, is that? for well,
2: politics.
3: Be, well, because again, you have all of Hollywood's best here assembled together. It's supposed to be an entertaining show, and the Oscar—it's not entertaining. Like that's true they, true. they don't even try to give you entertainment anymore. Like they don't tell any jokes. There's no hosts. No. No one's allowed to tell any jokes. It's just—it's yeah. It's, yeah, it's not entertaining. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's true. And, 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 and you would think
3: that like that's their mission. I mean, that that should be what they're like, trying to do.
2: Entertainers, entertainers, including myself. I mean, you, 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 it's all form of entertainment. They like to smell their own farts, and they certainly smelled their own farts, but at least there were jokes involved in it. Now they don't even tell jokes. You're right about that. All right. Oh, yeah. Pierre, no, I'm sorry. I'm using up too much of your time because I know you want to think, and I want to think too. Eight five five two one two four 4 cbs Got John Breach coming up 1140 a.m. Eastern. I had to say this because I keep talking about it. Bill's fighting for his legacy, and I think he's saved, trying to fight to save our reputations. He's not trying to. It's not his job to do so, but we're rooting for him to do so because a lot of people were buying into the Mac Jones thing. And they wanted to look smart with Mac Jones. Mac Jones just jumped right up the board, and there were a lot of people who were pro-Mac Jones. And I still think that he's a rich man's Jimmy Garoppolo. Bill Belichick's a rich man. He had a high draft pick there at 15. He decided to take Mac Jones there at 15. And you could tell, while wow, there's so many – and I know it's kind of like a cliche and kind of a joke about the Patriots anymore, about how stoic Bill Belichick is. You know, Bob Kraft's willing to smile. Robert Kraft's willing to shake hands and smile and have a good time. It's always been kind of the yin and the yang. Bill Belichick has been strong jowled, serious, not really a hunky dory, fun loving person, with the exception of a couple of things here and there. But he he's not going to go out there, he's not going to host the Oscars, he's not going to tell jokes. You got John Robinson and Mike Vrabel when they take draft picks. They're kind of having some fun with them. And, hey, you have fun now because when you come up here, I'm going to beat your ass. That's a quote from Mike Vrabel yesterday, the kid from Georgia. It doesn't work that way with Bill. But when they called Mac Jones, you saw the video of that. And if you didn't, it's all over Twitter. Like, he's serious. Bob Kraft's serious. Like, you need to get this thing going. Let's go. Not about, oh, gosh, a lot of jobs are going to be. They want to be back to where they are. They know. The Bills are there, and Josh Allen can be there for a long time. They know that it's only a matter of time before lightning strikes with the Dolphins. you got to be hoping for Tua Loa. And if Zach Wilson, which I like the Jets drafted around Zach Wilson, I know that I question Zach Wilson, but they did—they took their guy and they did a great job of drafting around him with the picks that they have with Zach Wilson. I think that Joe Douglas did a hell of a job over this weekend so far. The Jets can be taken seriously again. The Patriots know this, and they need to save their own legacy. Because Tom, whether we think so or not, and in 20 years, Belichick will still be remembered as the best coach ever. But Tom Brady's going to do what he can right now to attack that legacy and show that it was about Tom Brady, not about Bill, not as much about Bob, even though he loves Bob Kraft, not as much about that. He wants to be the legacy. He wants to be the Patriots. And the more he wins with the with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the more he shows that it ain't the Patriot way, it's the Tom Brady way. And for a lot of us, when we were making these cases for Mac Jones, when Mac Jones started to slip and when other teams started to pass, when other teams that might need a quarterback started to pass up on Mac Jones, there were a lot of pundits who had egg on their face and Bill Belichick saved their own ass on Thursday night now he's with Belichick see perfect Belichick Brady Jones J-O-N-E-S-B-R-A-D-Y they got five letters in each one had to say that out because that just came to my head it's the same thing Tom Mac, same amount of letters it's gonna work out perfectly all the people who were the Mac Jones pundits if it works out with Belichick they all look smart that's Belichick. Come on, the Patriot way. It's all there. It's Belichick. And I don't think it's a Hail Mary, like I said at the beginning of the segment with Ryan Pace and with Justin Fields. No, no, obviously it's not. They had the pick at 15. They stayed at 15. He fell to 15. There's a very close relationship between Belichick and Saban. He definitely did his due diligence on this. This is not about being so worked up or, or, or so despondent or or just trying to do whatever you can. It's not about that. It's a smart pick. Belichick will have control. He'll wield that control. And, yeah, it's probably the only team that I would say it's believable that they would play Cam Newton at the beginning of the season and then work Mac Jones in. It's the only team. But I think for a lot of us over the last three months, as Mac Jones has made his ascension, we started to panic after pick number three. Because there were a lot of people hedging bets going, Mac Jones is the pick, but, you know, Trey Lance makes sense because pundits didn't want to believe it. They wanted to look smart. Belichick's not only working for himself and working for his reputation and for the Patriots. For a lot of us, Belichick becomes our savior for our reputations. 855-2124-CBS. John Breach, 1140 a.m. Eastern. Up next, top five draft picks in our favorite team's histories. It's Ken Carman, CBS Sports Radio. This is the Ken Carman Show on CBS Sports Radio. John Breach coming up here at 1140 a.m. Eastern. This became tough. I wanted to get cute and start picking Jets draft picks too. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, period like, I want to I want show off how much football I know. Let me go with the Jets once. And then I started thinking of the Browns. I go, boy, it's glad i focused on the Browns here because this is actually becoming difficult now cuz you got to separate fan from from output cuz i think there's got to be a couple criteria and i'm just thinking of this off the top of my head one's got to be did they did they contribute to championships did they contribute to winning the the how good a player they were that matters obviously i think longevity matters in some case <sighs> this is difficult all right you ready for this
3: let's have it
2: i always go first in I always call it a sending order because it goes five to one. You can't beat number one, but people say this is descending, so whatever. Here we go. Number five. Damn. All right, honorable mention, Brian Sype, Gene Hickerson. Brian Sype, what, 13th round, 72. Brian Sype was great, MVP, MVP. But number five, Clay Matthews. Clay Matthews should be a Hall of Famer. Clay Matthews played for 20 years. Clay Matthews played over three separate decades, for crying out loud. Uh, He was the anchor of that defense. If they would have been able to beat John Elway, Clay Matthews is a Hall of Famer. And I I make the same argument for London Fletcher, by the way, for his Hall of Fame candidacy. If you're able to play that position, which is taxing for that long, that means teams still want you. Some people say compiler. Teams got to still want you. And he still started. So I I put him in that category. I put him number five overall, the number five best draft pick in Browns history. Number four, Ozzie Newsome. Great tight end, changed the tight end position. I think his history sense contributes to this, where he's become one of the better figures in, in NFL history, not just on the field, but in the executive office. Uh, I think that that matters to this and your legacy as well. I say Ozzie News because he went in as a Hall of Famer as a football player. But, I, you know, he might very well be a Hall of Famer as an executive as well. News some number four overall. Number three, Paul Warfield. Drafted in 64, all right, was a part of the perfect Miami Dolphins team in 72-73. Traded back a fantastic wide receiver from the state of Ohio. Obviously an all-time legend. I put Paul Warfield number three overall. Number two, some people are going to roll their eyes at me because he just retired. Joe Thomas, and the reason why there's a reasoning behind this. The reason is is that as bad as the Browns were for the course of a twenty year or for twenty years, they can look to Joe Thomas. Fans look to Joe Thomas for ten years. Well, you know when things are bad when an offensive lineman's jersey is the highest selling jersey. Joe Thomas is. a a champion in the community. People love him here in Cleveland. Joe Thomas, he was the guy who who was as advertised. There's very, very little, if at all, said about him in his pre-draft that was any sort of a takeaway, and he was basically perfect from beginning to end and actually never missed a snap throughout his career. His first snap continued to be consecutive until his last snap, and that was it. He was the most worth it guy for any Browns fan out of any of the other ones since 99. Joe Thomas, number two. Number one, it has to be Jim Brown. Arguably the best running back ever. Drafted in 57. I still can't believe Art Modell let him go away to make movies. A champion in 64. There's no other. There's no other person to say. I could say all the other things. It's Jim Brown. It's number one. People are going to wonder where Bernie is on this list. Remember, he's supplemental, and he really picked the Browns. The Browns didn't pick him. So Bernie goes on a separate category because it's the supplemental draft, and I didn't want to get too cute with it, Pierno. You go right on ahead, bud.
3: All right, so here are my top five uh, draft picks in Jets history. Number five, uh, going the O-line Nick Mangold, uh, he was a part of that uh, 2006 Ooh. draft. Him and the Bricashoff-Ferguson. Ferguson was, uh, if you remember, taken fourth overall that year. And then Mangold went 29th in the first round. Real uh, quick. Yeah.
2: Mangold's family's from Ohio. Yes. And the Jets were playing the Browns one time, and we were getting ready. And the whole Mangold clan, it's like the O'Doyles from <laughs> Billy Madison. Like, it's just they all it's it's the same type of person you get what I'm saying like you, you see families you go that like that's a Pino that body type the whole thing there it's the same they it's all look incredible the same. and there was like Forty of them, all wearing Nick Mangold jerseys. It was really cool. They love, they love each other. They love that family, and they love Nick Mangold, buddy. Go good, ahead. Good
3: guy. Uh, yeah. He was a true workhorse. Uh, he started all 171 games that he appeared in for the Jets from 06 to '16. Uh, you know, talked about winning, helped them uh, three playoff appearances. Uh, he anchored what six top ten uh, rushing offenses along the way. He did. Uh, yeah, Seven time Pro Bowler, two time First Team All. He had a tough job having to come in, succeed uh, the Hall of Famer, Kevin Mawai, uh, but he came in and uh, obviously did a tremendous job. One of the best offensive linemen of his era and uh, definitely will be in the Hall of Fame one day. And of course, he has a great beard. Uh, Nick Mangle, number five. Number four, Mark Gastineau. Uh, just guy wreaked complete havoc against the opposing quarterbacks. Franchise leader in sacks sing- and, and single-season uh, record for the Jets with 22 back in 84. Uh, twice led the NFL in sacks for a season uh, in the 80s. Spent all 10 years of his career with the Jets. He's in their ring of honor. So our, uh, Mark Gastino there at number four. Number three, Joe Klecko. Uh, Again, the uh, four-time Pro Bowler, two-time first-team All-Pro, only defensive player in the history to get selected to the Pro Bowl at three different positions. He went to the Pro Bowl as a defensive end. He went to the Pro Bowl as a defensive tackle and as a nose tackle, uh, of course, along with uh, Gastineau, part of the famed the New York uh, Stack Exchange, finished his career now with 24 uh, official sacks on the stat sheet, but uh, of course, they didn't start counting the sacks until 1982, so... People have gone back to look at uh clicko there in the late 70s. So, mm-hmm. from 77 to 81, um, it has been calculated that he racked up 51 and a half sacks. So, on top of his previous stats, unofficially, he has 75 and a half for his career. So he's in the ring of honor. The number 73 is retired by the jets. So, uh, Joe Klecko was a six round draft pick, uh, at number three, number two, going with Darrell Revis, 14th overall pick, uh, for the jets. At his peak, one of the most dominant cornerbacks in NFL history. At his peak, I don't think there was anyone as dominant as Revis was at his position. Um, Revis was the best corner in the league, and it wasn't even close. So, however good someone was at their position, I don't think it was even close. Revis was so far above and beyond anybody at at that cornerback position. He just completely shut down the the opposition's top receiving option. He would... Eliminate half the field uh, from the opponents. Obviously wound up getting the nickname Revis Island, uh, was a locker room leader, helped uh, lead them to a couple consecutive AFC championship game appearances. Uh, so, and then of course he, uh, he spent first six years was with the Jets, then left, uh, came back, uh, played a couple more with them towards the end. So, uh, altogether eight years, uh, with the Jets, um, and will obviously be in Canton, Ohio one day. So Darrell Revis at number two and number one, uh, has to be Joe Namath. Pro Football Hall of Famer, first uh, player to throw for 4,000 yards in a season. Guaranteed the Jets would beat the Colts in the Super Bowl and help deliver one of the greatest upsets in football history for the franchise's only championship. And, you know, Broadway Joe still a New York icon. Uh, He transcended sports. Everyone knows who Namath is, uh, even if you're not a football fan. Again, Jets Ring of Honor, the number 12 retired by the Jets, so Namath number one.
2: If it were a top ten, where would Kenny O'Brien go?
3: He's definitely in the top ten, that's for uh, certain. Uh I was maybe seven, eight. Yeah. He he he, he, he out, I I'd put him in the back end of the top ten. He's definitely top ten.
2: Yeah. I'm a defender of Ken O'Brien. I think he's forgotten about in that generation. And I I think he's one of the best of the eighties. I do think he's one of those. Just saying. Just wanted to know from you. That's a great top five list. Mangold, Mark Gastineau, Joe Klecko, Darryl Rivas, and, of course, Joe Namath. That's a good top ten. That's a good top five. Pierno, well done. Well done. Good job by you. All right. Coming up, 1240 1240 p.m. Eastern. Yes, Christopher Price, Boston Globe, going to join us. That was the top five picks. We'll put those guys up there on Twitter very, very soon. Up next, John Breach, Pick 6 podcast, CBS Sports NFL writer, What's going on in Chicago? Will Justin Fields have a new head coach going into 2022? Will Bill Belichick have another quarterback going into 2023? This is the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio. One hour from now, Christopher Price, Boston Globe. We'll see what's going on with Belichick, whether or not the empire is going to be saved. Right now, we go to the hotline because I, I had brought up, when it comes to the Packers, this is like a guy who's been married for 30 years – has some money, decides to get an Instagram account, all of a sudden he's in too deep. And now the Packers better make a decision because the misses wants out. To talk about it, we welcome in John Breach, CBS Sports NFL writer. Follow him on Twitter, at John Breach. He is on the Pick 6 podcast, a wonderful podcast, with Will Brinson and usually Ryan Wilson. John, thanks for joining us today, bud.
1: Ken, I am glad to be
2: here. Are you? Is that something you just say?
1: You know what? I I am. It's Saturday morning before the final day of the draft, uh, and it's something I'm just saying.
2: (laughs) I appreciate the honesty. I need an honest answer about Aaron Rodgers. Would would Aaron Rodgers, like if it came down to it, would he go, you know what, fine, you want to be this way, I'm just going to go be the Jeopardy host now? Would he be willing to do it, or or do they really have him in Green Bay?
1: Well, I I don't – if the Packers are just going to say, you know, clamp down and say – all right, well, you're gonna play for us, or you're gonna play for no one, then I, I think Rogers is fine leaving. You know, he's got so much money in his bank account, probably over a hundred million dollars, and we have that kind of money. You can do whatever you want. And, and you know the, the twist here is that we don't know that the Jeopardy hosting job is even available to Rogers. You know, they're still going through that, there's still guest hosts going through August. And so, that might not even be on the table, which adds another, like, piece of intrigue to this entire situation because if Jeopardy hires someone else, all of a sudden the Packers are going to be like, all right, well, now we got you where we want, Aaron, because uh, you don't have a backup job waiting for you. It's either us or you're not playing, doing anything.
2: Was was Ken Jennings really that disappointing? Because I really thought he made the most sense the Most sense and was the heir apparent there.
1: I think that people, the expectations were too high with Ken Jennings. You know, you win, 76 games in a row, people think you're going to come in and be the best host. I thought he did a good job, but I would say so far the, the best guy has been uh, Mike Richards, the the executive producer, when he hosted for that week. But I thought Rodgers did a good job, and if they're looking for celebrity flair with someone who can handle the pressure of, uh, you know, taking over for Alex Trebek, I, I think Rodgers
2: wouldn't be a bad option. One more. Would, does LeVar Burton want the job too badly? Oh, man, just –
1: He's campaigning pretty hard, and he hasn't even, you know, there was a the whole rally, but, like, you haven't even guest-hosted yet. So what if he goes out there and he just bombs, then he just looks silly for that whole campaign? So I, uh, my, my vote would be Mike Richards. I don't think he'll get it, but then Rogers. I think they need some celebrity flair, uh, and Rogers has the demeanor that Trebek, Trebek had, which is kind of what you want with that show.
2: I think this is too much for the Packers. I really do, and I, that might be silly to you, but every day of every week during the season, if they lose something – It's going to throw LaFleur under the bus. It's going to throw their general manager under the bus. It's going to make the organization look bad. Like, you made your decision last year. You decided to go with someone younger, and you got the Denver Broncos there. John Gruden's crazy, so I think he'd offer you the next 20 first-round draft picks for the guy. Like, I think it's time to make this move. It's time you've made your decision to go young. It's been a year. Jordan Love has had time to learn do what's right by your organization. Cause again, 10, 15 years, they'll just bring him back to Lambeau and everybody will let bygones be bygones and things will be great. Go ahead. And you made this decision, go ahead and stick with it and go get draft picks now.
1: Yeah. I have a hard time seeing how he can possibly return to green Bay just because there's so much bad blood right now. I mean, mm-hmm. I think Adam Schefter was saying yesterday that Rogers has literally told some of his teammates that he doesn't plan on returning. And once you reach that level, And then also when you're acting like this, you know, some of the teammates that don't know you so well, the younger players might start thinking, man, this guy's a prima Donna. And all of a sudden you lose respect in the locker room. So, and then you start losing games next year. Rogers, like you said, might start throwing the coaching staff under the bus, but then some of the players might start thinking, man, we don't have any team chemistry right now because of, uh, you know, Aaron going crazy this off season. So I think he has to leave. Obviously the Broncos and the Raiders are, are the two teams that were mentioned. But you look around the NFL, and there aren't really any other spots that could take him. I mean, if you go through the entire NFL, I think maybe Washington and maybe New Orleans would be the only other two teams that would uh, give up something to get a quarterback like him. You know, because the 49ers just got Trey Lance. They're not going to make a big trade for Aaron Rodgers anymore. Uh, so you're looking at a list of maybe four teams.
2: John Breach shooting us, CBS Sports follow on Twitter, at John Breach. Okay, to the draft. Chicago makes the trade for Justin Fields. A lot of people are questioning Justin Fields. Fine, we can't. I want to question Matt Nagy. Well, you know, he might not be able to break down defenses the way we need him to. Well, you know, he might not be able to run the offense the way we needed to. Well, they were able to find a way to do it at Ohio State. It's not like he's completely bereft of intelligence here. Why not let Matt Nagy – or excuse me, why can't Matt Nagy, you know, be a coach and actually coach him to do what he needs him to do in his offense? He's a hell of an athlete.
1: Yeah, I actually think this is a good combination. Uh, you know, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, uh, Ryan Pace gets dunked on all the time because you uh, trade up for Mitchell Trubisky. That was kind of the start of his downfall. But I thought the Bears had a good draft this year. And as far as Matt Nagy goes, look, the guy got stuck with Mitchell Trubisky. He didn't ask for him. And despite that, he's never had a losing record in three seasons with the Bears. So I actually think the Nagy-Fields combination can be pretty good. It's just a matter of, how much Justin Fields is going to be able to pick up in year one? Is he going to be able to go into training camp and beat out Andy Dalton, or is this going to be a situation where he needs to get adjusted to the NFL and maybe mm-hmm. takes over the job like midway through the season? So I think that's the big question. If Justin Fields goes into training camp, wins the job right away, I think Nagy and Fields can be a pretty dynamic combination.
2: I mean, I know you like Andy Dalton, but I got <laughs> – I mean, John, I got to ask you the same question anybody else would. They say they plan on having having Andy Dalton start. Yeah, I plan on losing weight next week. I mean, we got we got to be honest with each other here. Justin Fields, okay, fine. If you want to start Andy Dalton, what are you going to do after week one?
1: Because I mean, you- it's a, it's a great question. It is here. Here is the argument that you play Andy Dalton is because, and, and obviously Justin Fields is going to be the starter there eventually, probably at some point in the first year. But if Andy Dalton's a starter in week one, it's because, again, there's not a lot of on-field activity going during the spring, so not a a chance for Justin Fields to learn the offense on the field. Then you get to training camp and you have everything thrown at you, and it's a lot to be thrown at a quarterback. And so maybe Andy Dalton is just the most prepared to go into week one as a starter, you know, and then you just ride that pony until it fails, probably by week four, and then you put in Justin Fields.
2: Is Mac Jones going to save the Belichick dynasty?
1: You know what? It's funny that – you know, I hate comparing anyone to Tom Brady because that's all we've heard about with Mac Jones. He was the most – probably most similar to Tom Brady's skill set, and we saw the pictures where, uh, you know, from their combine, Mac Jones and Tom Brady both had the opposite of a six-pack. You know, they have our dad bods, Ken. But he's an athlete, you know, and he's accurate. He has all the things that Belichick and Josh Josh McDaniels want in a quarterback – if you mean is he going to save the empire? are they going to win four Super Bowls with Mac Jones or six Super Bowls with Mac Jones, then no. But are they going to be competitive again and a playoff team regularly? Then I think the answer is yes.
2: They have the same amount of letters in their names, their full names.
1: It, it's, and, and I think Will Brinson mentioned that Mac spelled backwards is Cam. It's, it's all tied together, the Illuminati. It's all, all over this draft.
2: If you don't think that Bill Belichick's a part of the Bilderberg Group by now, I I can't convince you of it. it it's, I mean, he's the
1: it's, president it's, at this point. I, I, yeah. I, there's no other way.
2: Yeah, Peter Jennings, when he passed away, they gave Bill Belichick the seat. It's 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 certainly widely documented. John Breach joining us on the show. See, I I don't want to. I started to feel bad for Mac Jones after the after the Trey Lance pick, because I'm like, ah, he got used as a patsy, and then he went to 15, and then I got annoyed because I started to hear the pundits who loved Mac Jones go see see Belichick come on and I'm going I'm just hearing a bunch of pundits hoping Belichick saves their ass because they bought in and now they're just hoping for Belichick instead of actually being confident in Mac Jones
1: yeah uh, hey you know what I'm not going to mention any names <laughs> Ryan Wilson uh, our draft analyst loved Mac Jones and This was the ideal thing. Once he falls past the 49ers and you loved him at number three, you get a little worried, like, oh, my God, if he ends up in Carolina, or, or, oh, no, what happens if the Bears take him? Like, Mac Jones would not have worked out in Chicago. Uh, But then he falls with the Patriots. All of a sudden, you're back on your high horse, and you're like, all right, I think he could do pretty well in New England. So, And it's unbelievable that – the rest of the NFL let Mac Jones fall to the Patriots. They did not even have to trade up to get him. They just fell in their lap, and this is the kind of thing that happens to England all the time, just when you think they might go down, boom, they're back, and, you know, this is not a good thing for the rest of the NFL.
2: You're going to think I'm going to kick Ryan Wilson when he's down. I'm not. i got to defend him. He is my buddy. <laughs> now he is my buddy, John. John Breach joining us on the show. But what I liked about Ryan Wilson – now, you might be able to prove me wrong because, I, I mean, I looked at the website, and I couldn't, I, I couldn't find anything different. But I kept finding a bunch of pundits – bunch of mock drafters saying you know uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they went with Lance or Fields but the pick is Mac Jones I go that's hedging that is not giving me what I want out of the mock draft like at least Ryan kind of hung it over the fence there let everybody take a look and if if Mac Jones ends up being Grady's, Ryan looks fantastic but Ryan was like the only guy I heard who, yep, I'm a Matt Jones guy and I don't give a damn what Ken thinks and I don't give a damn what anybody else thinks and I'm taking Mac Jones and that's what it should be and that's what it is and that's fine instead of, well, you know, it could be train Lance. Oh, well, you know, they could train for Aaron Rodgers. They could train for Deshaun Watson and all that other stuff. I give him credit for that, John.
1: He stuck to his guns. This is you're on that sinking ship. He went down with this ship. I'm sure there were some people on the captains on Titanic they went in the yep. in the boat. Not Ryan Wilson. He went down with his prediction. But he also had a fantastic final mock draft. That's you know, the quarterbacks get the headlines, but you know, he called Panay Sewell to the Lions and, and and a few other Joe Tryon, the final pick of the first round to the Buccaneers. So he had some big ones that weren't so obvious, but obviously the quarterback is the one that makes the headlines. So that's the one he's gonna get
2: teased over. If you're the captain of a ship that's sinking, would you rather live, get on the boat, live, be known as a coward, but try to change the narrative over the next however long you have to live, <laughs> or go down as a hero, knowing it's not going to get any better than that?
1: I'm, I'm jumping off the ship and changing the narrative. That, that's, that's, uh, that's what's happening there.
2: An honest man, John Breach, joining us here on the show. Um, what are the Raiders doing?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So well, you look at the Raiders and they get absolutely just slaughtered after the first round for their pick of Alex Leatherwood, which you're just thinking that guy, you know, some people thought he might be available in the third round, probably would have been picked in the second round, but certainly not the first round and certainly not 17th overall. I mean, it was just one of the, it was probably the most head scratching pick of the first round and then they come back in the second round and get Trevin Moore, who, who a lot of people thought should have been a first-round pick. So it was like they got their draft board mixed up, and they took their first-round pick in the second round and their second-round pick in the first round. Uh, but, but I think when you look at it, uh, the top two picks came out okay because they got you know a guy with a first-round talent and a guy with a second-round talent. But then, you know, uh, Malcolm Koontz from Buffalo, they, they took a Mac guy. I, I went to a Mac school. I love the Mac. But, I, you know, that's a fourth or fifth-round, maybe sixth-round pick that you're taking in the third round. The Raiders just love to reach, and they do it every year, and every year we're scratching our heads. And, you know, the only way this makes sense is if somehow they go 10 and 7 or 11 and 6, hard to do the math with 17-game stuff, you know, next year. And that's you think John Groon's going to put it all together this year, and he just doesn't do it. And then, again, we're back next year scratching our heads about Raiders draft picks.
2: Like, I, I agree. I think you can coach them on Sunday. And I've seen it up close to personal. I'm like, how? Oh, your defense sucks. I mean, your defense is one of the worst I've ever seen. But they're still, like, kind of close to 500, And you can tell if they just added to the defense, they'd be better. And I have no problem that. I, I have no fear that he can coach him on Sunday. I just don't know what he's doing in late April. And I also feel like Mike Mack's just going to be thrown under the bus by John Gruden. Gruden's not going anywhere, and he'll just be like, this is a TV guy. I'm getting rid of this guy. Any chance I get, and I'll just blame any quote-unquote bad draft pick on Mike Mack. I want to ask you another question. Where did you go to college?
1: Uh, Miami of Ohio.
2: What years?
1: Uh, 2005 was my last year. So I was there when Ben Roethlisberger and Sean McVay were there.
2: Better college basketball coach, Charlie Coles or Keith Dambrott?
1: Ooh, I mean, I got to go with Charlie Coles because I went to Miami. He took him to a Sweet 16 uh, in 1999 with Wally World. So I'm going with Charlie.
2: Better quote. Charlie Coles, Bill Belichick?
1: Ooh, you know, it depends. You ask Bill Belichick the right question, he goes off, you know, just starts spouting out information. Yeah. Uh, But Charlie Coles was just old and cranky, and he would just say whatever's on his mind, and I love that about him.
2: The Kentucky game, after the Kentucky game, was always the best. Follow him on Twitter, at John Breach. John, we thank you very much for the time, buddy. Take care.
1: Yep, thanks for having me, Ken.
2: John Breach, CBS Sports NFL Writer Pick 6 podcast. I went to Akron. I'm a Keith Ambrock guy. He's at Duquesne right now. Duquesne. I always get it wrong, and I always want to say Duquesne. I think it's Duquesne in Pittsburgh. Fantastic coach, fantastic guy. Charlie Coles, really fantastic guy. The late, great Charlie Coles now. Was a guy who wore the turtleneck with the blazer. It's a hard look to pull off. Not every guy can do it. A lot of fat guys like to do it. Charlie Coles was in great shape. Charlie Coles scored 40 points a game before there was a three-point line. That's how great of a basketball player Charlie Coles was. Just letting you know that. I have no faith in John Gruden as – I have faith in him as a head coach. I have no faith in him as a a guy who picks. I think that he will get rid of Mike Mack. I saw what Tony Pauline said, and we had Tony on two weeks ago. I saw what Tony Pauline said, and I saw what other people were saying. When you make a draft pick and immediately there's – there are heads that are about to roll after this draft – That's Gruden throwing people under the bus. That's John Gruden walking in, making his decision, knowing that he basically has an ironclad contract, that Mark Davis is not going to fire him. He's going to make his decision. I actually agree with pro football commenter that probably John Gruden just fell in love with Alex Leatherwood's last name, and he's going to try to make Mike Mack look bad. 855-2124-CBS. Work or shoot in just over 20 minutes. Up next... I cannot continue to sit here and be a hypocrite to you fine people. It's Ken Carman, CBS Sports Radio.
0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe.